Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And I tell you, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Lord, as we uh, come to your word, would you speak to our hearts, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Great to have you here this morning. Welcome. If we haven't met yet, my name is Dave. Uh, I'm one of the pastoral team here, and it's, uh, it's a joy to be with you. Chris is away. If you were here last Sunday, he gave a tea recommendation. Iron Goddess of Mercy. Anyone try it? <laughs> Look, I tried it. It has the most spectacular taste of swamp. <laughs> it's terrible. Maybe, but I confess, tea is not my forte. I may have gotten it wrong, the brewing technique, because I looked at, I unlocked, and it's not exactly breaking and entering when you have keys to the building. So I went into Chris's office and got his apparatus out and couldn't figure how that work, so I just went for the pot and kettle and got it wrong, but there we are. Pray for him. He is uh, headed to Georgia uh, to take a family funeral, and, uh, and we'll be back later this week. Um, as we come to this passage, um, I was reminded this week of what we did last summer, and last summer, it was my first summer here amongst you, um, we, I think we had seven small group meetings uh, throughout the summer, and it was just an opportunity for me, for me to meet with you, and the hope was that you would uh, not remember really much of what was said, but that you would hear some of, of my heart, and that's important because the heart of a church is usually built and born out of the heart of a leader, and so you may not always be here at St. Bart's. Right? For as long as you're here, we want you to receive and be blessed. And one of the key things to do when you're moving churches is to sit down with the leader and just hear what's on his heart. Because that will inevitably tell you the direction that the church will be going in. All right? So I wanted just to share something with you that's on my heart. And uh, last week I was in Toronto. I was taking a good friend's wedding and uh, I got to the airport early, and I don't know if any of you have ever traveled through Toronto, Pearson International Airport. It's really a place to be avoided, in my opinion. Um, but I was early, and it was Sunday morning, and I hadn't thought about my church options. So I went to a church near the airport, which uh, came to fame in the 90s, when the Lord began to move and move in power. It was the 
It's now called Catch the Fire, which is, I just love names of churches. It just tells you so much, right? So I went to the Catch the Fire Church, which is where the Toronto Airport blessing happened in the 90s. And I missed the music. I, didn't have, I wasn't organized. But I sat through the sermon, great sermon on hospitality. And then uh, they offered prayer ministry at the end of the service like we do here. And so I went up, and I didn't tell anyone anything. I didn't say, hey, I'm a pastor from Dallas, da 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 um, I didn't have my boots on, so they couldn't even tell where I was from. And I apologized excessively, as every Canadian does. And I was there, and this lovely Sri Lankan um, Christian prayed for me. And what he said was so powerful and so in line with the passage. He, this is what he said. He said, what God wants to do will come out of the overflow of what fills your heart. So in this season, receive as much as you can from him. And as you overflow of what God's putting into your heart, his kingdom will be built around you. And as your church receives as much as it can from the Lord, out of that overflow into the city, his kingdom will be built in the city. And I looked at this guy and I was like, thank you. That was, you know, it was a blubbering mess. I, I cry at the drop of a hat when I'm being prayed for. So, um, and uh, it was just so powerful. And then as I arrived and as we look at this passage, it's what, this is what it's all about, receiving. Receiving can be hard. Sometimes we would rather pay for something than receive it for free because of our baggage. And we feel that we can trust something if we pay for it, but if it's given to us for free, then there's a question, can I trust this? And it all, it's all wrapped up in family of origin stuff and our experiences. And here, the disciples come to Jesus. They've already been sent out to heal the sick, preach the gospel, drive out demons, and they've come back, the 72 have come back, so it works. Now Jesus teaches how to pray. <laughs> the, the sequencing is phenomenal. And here, in the context of teaching his disciples about prayer, Jesus tells a parable. Now, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke 11. We didn't read it all this morning. Um, it's familiar, I'm sure. Um, but if you open up or to open your phone uh, to Luke 11, we have this incredible parable that Jesus teaches. And there are really two points about what we need in order to receive as much as we can. Two things that we'll get to in a moment. But in the context of teaching his disciples about prayer, Jesus tells the parable of a man in, in verse 5 who had an unexpected visitor at midnight. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. You have someone knock on the door at midnight who you weren't expecting. And, you know, it's, with children, it's largely inconvenient, to say the least. Um, the man's out of food and he needs to show hospitality to his guest, and so he goes to a neighboring friend, wakes him up, and asks for some bread. And describing the reluctance on the part of the sleepy and now grumpy neighbor to stir himself out of bed. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to wake up and give his neighbor bread um, because of their friendship. It's too late. Like, if you try to have an intelligible conversation with me at 6.30, it's really difficult. That's why I miss the Wednesday morning prayer meeting here, 
for men. It's just, I just not, I'm just unintelligible. I just sit there and I, I'm just grumpy and it's just not going to, you know, I don't love anyone at that hour because I haven't had enough coffee. I'm not awake. But at midnight, some of you are night owls. It's easier to get you at midnight. Um, but Jesus says that although the neighbor won't get up and give the bread, give the man bread simply because they're neighbors, he'll get up and give the bread because of the friend's persistence. That's the first thing we need to receive, is persistence. Persistence. Jesus continues, and this is what he says, I tell you, in verse 9, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be given to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Second point, expectation. Ask, it'll be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. So persistence and expectation. The most faithful people in the city of Dallas in the summer are the people who take the bus. I don't know if you've ever taken the dart in the summer, but they stand full of expectation that one day the bus will come. And they're always late, and they always come two at a time. Any bus takers here? I took the bus for a year going downtown, the train and the bus. It was, it was an education. And Jesus carries on. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, today's culture especially in Texas, we know not to give scorpions or snakes to children, but it's likely they'll find them on their own outside. Right? That's why we don't go to East Texas. Um, but what is more likely here is that it's more likely that some of us have had a relative, a family member, who when they've come and when you've gone and asked them for something, they've won up to you. They've won up to you. And they said, I really like this. Oh, yeah, well, I would like this. It's very subtle. But what that one-upping communicates is that you're not worthy of love. And that one-upping never happens with God. I, when I started to learn how to pray, would say, Lord, I know you're working on the Middle East right now, but I don't have enough money for tuition. You know, but he never says, okay, pray. Yes, I have like mutually assured destruction I'm trying to prevent between Russia and the USA, but go pray. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a few moments. Make your supplication known. It's not that at all. It's very different. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be given. And what we have is an encouragement to be expectant and to be persistent in prayer. So what does it mean to ask? What does it mean to ask? It means to bring the things that are on your heart to him, to come to him and to start the conversation. Say, Lord, this is what we're facing. This is what we need. Lord, so-and-so is going through this. Help. The most powerful spiritual prayer in Scripture, Jesus teaches us, is the help. I believe. Help me with my unbelief. That's the bar. 
That's the bar we need to ask. Then to seek him, what, what does it mean to seek him? To seek him is to take him at his word and ask the question to yourself, what is he like? Who do I know him to be? Our understanding of God is detailed for us in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the lens by which we understand who God is because he is God made flesh. And so when we seek him, it starts, Lord, your word says you're good. Out of your goodness. Lord, you're a loving, generous father. He promises that he will respond by giving us the good gifts of an $80,000 sports car. No. Maybe. No. The promise is that he will give us more of the very best that he has to offer himself. The promise of more of the Spirit is more of him. He promises more of the presence, more of the power, more of his glory, more of his gifting, more intimacy, more character-transforming work of God in our lives. And James says we don't have because we do not ask. And this is a, a, a conversation for another time. But inevitably when you say this, the questions will rise up. says, well, I prayed and God didn't answer my prayer. Or I prayed for healing and healing didn't happen. Or fill in the blank. And what's fascinating in my experience in doing this for 18 years now, that in my life, when we have suffered, I have gone to the Lord with questions, and instead of giving me the answers to those questions, because the answers won't really help, in His presence, He has given me His peace. And that peace is so much more valuable than the answer because I can begin to move out of survival to begin to live again. And I know some of you are there right now. You're suffering, it's hard. And you have questions, and those questions are great, and he wants to hear those questions. And he wants to move in your life to give you his peace. So we're to, with persistence and expectation, we're to ask, we're to seek, and to knock. What does it mean to knock? Well, the implication here of Jesus is that we're to the knock at the gates of his kingdom. And I was, it was the night before my ordination, and we were taken away for three days on a silent retreat uh, with complete strangers. And it was great because I didn't have to talk to them. And, uh, but on the night before, there was a bit of a, a soiree, and I was talking in conversation with the archdeacon. And um, I was about this, really, about being persistent and asking God for more because I'd had this experience. And I, I wanted to see what he had to say because he'd been ordained for 25 years. And he said to me, to be honest, I think that this is all that there is. I said, oh, okay, well, enjoy the rest of your night. And I just kind of moved on. Um, and the next morning, one of the others who uh, was getting ready to be ordained with me got so sick 
with a fever that he was barely able to get out of bed. And we were about to get on the bus to go to the cathedral to be ordained. He came down the stairs, and I saw him talking to the same archdeacon, and they're making arrangements about you know, him not being ordained that morning. And I walked up, and, well, Canadian in England is rarely polite because we're just so wired differently. I didn't know the social cues at the time. And I said, well, has anyone prayed with you yet? And they just stared at me, which I assumed to be permission. So I laid hands on them, and I just said, Lord Jesus, would you come and would you heal? And suddenly this man's glasses steamed up, and it was like all of the moisture in his body began to come down his, his forehead, and he was sweating profusely. And the archdeacon looked at me as if he'd seen a ghost, the Holy Ghost, I'm sure, and the soon-to-be priest gave me this biggest hug, which was oddly uncomfortable because he was a sweaty mess and, you know, I didn't really want to get sick. But anyway, and he said, what was that? And I turned to the archdeacon and I said, that's what more looks like. And the man was able to get on the bus and, and get healed. So the challenges that so many of us have stopped asking have stopped asking for more. Maybe like the archdeacon. Or maybe like some of us growing up in an Anglican church, I didn't know you could ask for more. Others that may be content with what they have or they don't think they'll be heard. Um, a few years ago, we rented a nightclub on Henderson and asked them to open on a Tuesday night so we could run an alpha course. And then I, was, I went in, I said, oh, what would it cost? And the math worked and said, we'll provide the bar staff. So the bar staff were fascinating because they were usually there on the, at night and used to a different clientele. And it was great talking to them. And I, it was the night on healing. And we, we have a, uh, we, we ask the question, does God heal today? And at the end, the groups start praying for anyone who needs healing. And the, I'm talking to the bartender because they're all, all, all talking, and she tells me, you know, I grew up in Chicago. I used to be a Catholic, but I don't go to church anymore. And we start talking about prayer. She says, well, I just don't think God would listen to me anymore because I haven't gone to church in so long, and I haven't, you know, kept up with it. And then as we're talking, she, her face changes, and she goes, ah! I said, you okay? She says, what was that? And I said, what do you mean? And she shows me her arm, and it's just covered in goosebumps. And she says, I've never felt this good in my life. What is that? I hadn't prayed for her. No one had prayed for her. But in the rest of the nightclub, people were praying that God by his spirit would heal. And so I said, ma'am, I think as everyone's praying for each other, God chose to make himself known to you and introduce himself to you so that you would realize that he's ready and he's waiting to listen to you. It was incredible. Some of us don't ask because we don't think we're worthy to ask for anything. And that's not true. Our worth is symbolized in the cross. And you may have heard it a thousand times, but it's true, the promise that God wants to give us more is in black and white in the passage in front of you, and it's in crimson, red blood on the cross. Think about this with me for a moment. Jesus took upon himself everything that we deserved. 
so that we could be free to receive everything that he deserved. And what he shows us is a dynamic, intimate relationship with the Father where they talk to each other face to face. Jesus is a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. And the invitation to you this morning and to us as a church is to become promise seekers and promise takers. Jonathan Edwards triggered the Great Awakening. He had a sermon that he preached with little effect over and over again called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. It wasn't working. So what did he do? He spent three days and nights in prayer before delivering that sermon again. He didn't eat a morsel of food. He didn't close his eyes. He simply petitioned God over and over again saying, Oh Lord, give me New England. And then the next time he got up, everything was different. Oswald Chambers, his uh, writings are like medicine. They taste bad, but they work. Oswald Chambers said that climbing in the spirit is accomplished by kneeling and not running. Karl Barth, these are for the theologians in our midst because I know there are many. Karl Barth says, only when the spirit is sighed, cried, and prayed for does it become present and newly active. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, Pray, plead with him, let him know the despair of your heart, and as soon as you do, he will grant you your heart's desire. He will speak to you, manifest himself to you, and shed his love abroad in your heart, and you will begin to love him and to rejoice in him, and with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. What we're invited to is to take up a very specific posture of being persistent and being expectant. That's how Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and it's an invitation to you and to me to be promise seekers and promise takers. The reality is God is at work in our city, and he's inviting us to ask, to bring our heart's desires to him, to seek him, to seek his goodness, and to knock on the gates of his kingdom that his way of doing things would fill our lives, our homes, our neighborhoods, our places of work, our places of rest. We're invited to receive as much as we can. There's a wreath down here that we put up after Easter. And the invitation is that whenever God answers a prayer, that at some point during the service, you're invited to come and tie a ribbon on as a sign that God has done something. It's been up for two months, two and a half. There are 66 ribbons tied on that wreath. That's a lot. God is at work. And we wanted a visual representation so that we can catalog what God is doing. God is at work. It may seem like everything is going strangely weird in society. And despite that, his kingdom is being established. Jesus has a way of ordering life. He has a way of doing things. He has a way of doing everything in love. And that's what he wants to give to us. And all we have to do is be persistent and be expectant. Persistence and expectancy, not easy. Because if you've been disappointed, the temptation 
is not to hope again. But that's the invitation. That's what's on my heart. And that's where we're going. And that's why we're so thrilled you're here. And we will, our promise is that for those of us going through very difficult things, that if you're willing, we will lock shoulders with you and we will pray for the impossible to happen. And if the impossible happens, we, and those mountains get cast in the sea as we sang, we will rejoice with you. And if they don't happen, and bad things and we suffer, we will weep with you. Because that is the invitation of the church. And that's the plan, to be persistent and expectant. As we were praying this morning, I really felt that God was calling us to pray into a couple of things. One is, is that there are people in this church, I think, I know at least two of you, that your work could be described as you help bring beauty to the world. We have an esthetician. We have um, someone who works in, in, in bridal stuff. And God, um, I'm getting, my language at this point is imprecise, so forgive me if I, I get it wrong. But there's something about God in wanting to bless personal trainers. There's something about God wanting to bless you in your work so that his power can move through you and meet with others. There's a group here today who are facing really hard stuff, impossible stuff. Prayed with one this morning. And we want to pray with you as a church that we would see that mountain cast into the sea. And there's a third group, and my memory's failed me, so we'll just stick with the two. But there's more. It's in black and white in front of you. And it's in crimson red on the cross. And that's why he created his church. So that the work that he started would continue. And he wants to do it through you. So why don't we stand and let's pray. And if you're involved in that industry of, that I just renamed beauty, making things beautiful. Maybe you're an artist. There's an esthetician at the back. Maybe you're a stylist. Maybe you, you uh, maybe it's because I was working with this most incredible wedding planner last weekend. We want to pray for you. Because beauty in the Old Testament is, is a sign of God's kingdom on earth. Beauty requires order, and God brings order wherever he goes. And so the Lord is with you in that. So we're going to pray for you. And if you're going through something difficult right now, we want to pray for you as well. So why don't we all hold out our hands like this as a posture that we want to receive. And let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you come now in power? Would you come and well up within us? Would you come upon us? Would you fill us afresh with your presence? We pray for those who work, who come alongside people. Thank you, Lord. Your word says you make all things beautiful in their time. Or would you use those in our midst who work in that area? Would you come now? We welcome you into their workspace. We welcome you into the work of their hands. We ask you to bless the work of their hands. Come, Holy Spirit. 
Lord, we, we also lift you those amongst us going through very difficult things. And we knock, Lord, we knock on the gates of your kingdom. And we ask that would your kingdom come? Would your will be done? We ask for breakthrough. We ask that you would open wide any blockages on the path that's ahead of them. Would you remove any unnecessary red tape? And would you make the impossible possible now in your name? And Lord, for those of us who are suffering, who are going through a difficult patch, through illness or loss, we ask for your presence. We ask for your peace. That's right. That's what we pray for, Lord, more of you. And Lord, we offer ourselves to you as a church, as people who will seek after your promises and who will do all that we can to make your goodness and your love known. And all that we ask for, Lord, is for the gift of your spirit to empower us wherever we go as we work and everywhere we go as we rest. We pray for our neighbors. We pray for our county. We pray for our city. We pray for our country. And we ask, Jesus, that you would make your way of doing things prevalent in our lives, that the overflow would fill the lives of those around us. But we ask all of this in your name. Amen.